Would you stand with me for the reading of God's word? We're going to be in Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 10 this morning. Matthew writes this, Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell the disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. And then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Would you pray with me as you have a seat? God, we pray this morning. that you would help us see with fresh eyes, with an open heart, open lives to you, the beauty of the life, death, and resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ. God, may this not just be an old, old story, but may this be something that impacts our present reality today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Dr. Tim Tennant, who's the president of Asbury Seminary, once told a story about some of his younger missionary days when he was in India, in the Odisha state there, and they were in a village of people who had really never heard the story of Jesus before. And so they had a film, it was an old film depicting the life of Christ with Indian characters, and they were playing the film for everyone in the village, and they got to the scene where Jesus was hanging on the cross, like the one behind me here. Jesus was nailed to the cross, he was bleeding, he had been mocked, he had been spat upon, he had the crown of thorns. And there on the cross, as we read in scripture, Jesus with his arms out wide cried, it is finished. And in the movie, the sky grew dark. And all of a sudden, everybody who was watching the film got up and began to head home. And so Dr. Tennant and the other Christians had to say, no, 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 come back, sit down, please, sit down. The movie's not over yet. The story isn't over. And so then they watched the rest of the movie and they watched the scene that we just heard read in Scripture. And when they saw Jesus rise from the dead, all of these people who'd never heard about Jesus before in their lives stood up and gave him a standing ovation. You see, they thought the story was over And that the cross was the end, but then they discovered that it wasn't the end. It was just the beginning of something new that God was doing in the world. And it filled them with great joy. And I wonder this morning if anybody has joy in this house. Just a few of you. Just a few of you this morning. This is Easter. Y'all talk back to me today, okay? Our church for the last number of... Weeks has been going through Matthew's gospel together, and Matthew's gospel is full of endings and beginnings. You might remember the Christmas story. The Christmas story is full of drama. You have a young, unwed teenage mother, Mary, finds out she's pregnant, and she thinks life as she knew it is over. Her reputation is over. 
Then you have Joseph who is pledged to be married to Mary and he finds out she's pregnant with a child and it's not his child. And so he says, you know what, I'm going to have to divorce her and, and this is the end of our relationship together. But then God sends an angel to Joseph and says, no, I want you to be the earthly father to this son. And, and it's not the end for them, it's actually the beginning. And today we still talk about them and remember them and celebrate them as the holy family. And then when Jesus was born, he finds out the family that King Herod is trying to come after him and kill children to try to, to get Jesus off the scene, even at his early age. And so the family flees and they become refugees in Egypt trying to escape persecution. And there, you can imagine, they had their life planned out. They had uh, thoughts of what it was going to be like, even though they had this baby and the future was uncertain. Now they're in Egypt, they're in a foreign land, they don't know people, and they thought, you know what, the future that they had planned, it's over. It's the end. But then God showed up in a dream and said, no, it's going to be okay. Go back to the land of Israel. And so they go back and there Jesus is raised and Jesus begins his public ministry. And if you know anything about Jesus' public ministry, he was constantly encountering people who had lost hope. People who thought that, that the road was done for them, that things were over, that they were finished. People who had been paralyzed their whole lives and thought that it would never get better. People who had lots of grief and sorrow in their lives, outcasts who thought they would never have any friends in their entire lives and they'd be alone forever. Jesus constantly encountered people who thought it was the end and through his love and through his healing power, he created new beginnings in their lives as he gave hope, love, and faith to everybody he encountered. And then this week we remembered during Holy Week that eventually... The authorities came against Jesus. They began to make up charges against him and say all sorts of stuff. And eventually he was arrested, betrayed by some of his closest friends, denied by people who said they would never deny him. And he was hung on a cross. He bled and died. And they took him down from the cross, his dead body, and placed it in a new tomb. And for any rational person who was watching what was going on, it looked like the end. And so you can imagine Mary, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary on the first day of the week, early in the morning, what they might have been feeling like, especially if you've ever lost somebody you love suddenly. It was like this morning, it was dark and it was foggy. They didn't think they had any future. Their plans were gone. They had dedicated their life to this man. They had followed him. They had trusted him. They thought they had a future with him. And, and so they were full of sorrow, full of grief. And I bet they also felt a bit foolish for trusting Jesus. And there they were at the tomb. But then God. Isn't that a great phrase, but then God? But then God sent an angel, and an angel rolled back the stone. An angel rolled back the stone, and like he's like in a little Victoria stance, he sat on the stone, and he proclaimed to the women news that, 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 that was more unimaginable than they could have ever thought. They proclaimed to the women, it's not the end, he has risen. 
Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. The one who you watched crucified has risen again. And he said, go and tell the disciples the good news that Jesus has risen. And they were running and they met Jesus on the road and they fell at his feet and they worshiped him. They bowed down to him and they realized in that moment that the story of Jesus wasn't over. Their story wasn't over. It was actually just the beginning. And so they went to tell the disciples, and the disciples met Jesus, and Jesus commissioned them. He said, I want you to go and tell everyone the good news, that I'm doing something new in this world, that I have a new kingdom, that there is forgiveness of sins, that there is the resurrection of life, because I am the resurrection. He said, go out, and then Jesus sent the Holy Spirit upon the church. And in the early days, there was just a handful of followers of Jesus who saw him rise from the dead. And then by the day of Pentecost, just a little while later, there were 5,000 believers in Christ. And then in 200 years, historians estimate that there were 5 million followers of Jesus Christ. And today it's estimated that there are over 2 billion Christians in the world. So that means that over a billion people today are celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They're worshiping like the women. They're filled with joy. They're singing. They're gathering today in their Easter best in villages without electricity in rooms like this in cathedrals all over the world celebrating that Jesus has risen from the dead and what we think is the end isn't always the end. It might just be the beginning. You see, all throughout Jesus' life we see that he can take what looks like an ending and transform it into a new beginning. And I believe the same is true for your life. Whether you walked in here this morning as a believer in Jesus Christ or when you think about the resurrection, you think this is a room full of crazy people who clap too much, okay? And when we think about our lives, I mean, you think about the thing that feels most final to us. It's death, right? It's death. And we spend all sorts, of, you know, now they have all these technologies that are trying to make us live longer. We have facial creams and regimens and vitamins and all sorts of stuff like that. And we don't even like to think about death or talk about death in our culture. It makes us uncomfortable when people are dying. A lot of times we, we try to push them to the side. But as Gene joked earlier, death is coming for all of us. It's coming for each and every one of us. But I want you to hear clearly this morning, the good news of Jesus Christ is that he has risen from the dead and all of those who have faith in Jesus Christ will one day rise again as well. A lot of us, when we think about endings in our lives, might think about sins that we've committed, lies, pride, betrayal, deception, infidelity, all sorts of different things. And a lot of times, the sin in our lives, it leads to what seems like an ending. The end of our reputation, the end of our career, the end of a dream, the end of a marriage, the end of a family. And a lot of times when it comes to our actions and how we've, we've treated God and others, it feels like, you know what, people are done with us. And maybe this morning you feel like God is done with you. But the good news of the resurrection is that Christ, our Lord, died for our sins on the cross. And on the third day, he was raised from the dead, which means our Heavenly Father accepted his sacrifice as a once and for all sacrifice for our sins. And so that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and he will forgive us, and he will cast our sins as far as the east is from the west. Is that good news for anybody here? 
<laughs> Somebody, a little kid shouted in the back. I like it. <laughs> this morning, you might feel like hope is done in your life. This morning at the sunrise service, we were reflecting, this is the first time we've gathered in a normal way for Easter in a few years now. And a lot of people have lost hope. Maybe you feel like you had, you had purpose, but maybe your purpose has ended. Maybe your marriage is over. It seems like it's going to be over soon. The dreams you had for your family aren't working out. Your friends have abandoned you. You don't know what's next. Maybe your business is closed. We've all faced a lot of difficult situations the last few years. But the good news of the resurrection that I want you to hear clearly this morning is that nothing is impossible with God. I want you to say that with me. Nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. That's what we are celebrating today, and we celebrate that in the past, nothing was impossible for God. God raised his one and only son, Jesus, from the dead. We celebrate in the future that nothing is impossible with God, that we will all rise to new life in Christ. But the resurrection isn't just a historical event that happened in the past. It's not just something that we focus on in the future in the sweet by and by. The resurrection power that Jesus has for you and for me is something that's meant to be a present reality here and now. Jesus wants to give you life today. He wants to redeem your darkest moments. He wants to give a new beginning to what you feel like is the end. And the Apostle Paul, he, he met the resurrected Christ on the road to Damascus. He knew about how sin can mess up your life. and He had a complicated story, but he met Christ, and then later he wrote this, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. He said, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Here Paul tells us how to begin a new life, how to begin again, how to experience the newness that, that Christ has for you. And he puts it pretty simply here. He says, it's for anyone who belongs to Christ. And what does it mean to belong to Christ? It means to simply submit your life to him, to say, God, my life is not my own. I can't raise myself from the dead. I can't do enough good deeds to, to outdo all my bad deeds to, to kind of somehow sway the scales of, of justice. Like, we, we can't save ourselves. It's saying, I need you. If there's any hope, if there's any love, if there's going to be any peace in my life, I need your presence and your resurrection power here. And now that's what it means to belong to Christ, to submit our lives to him. And when we do that, I like to think of it with, with these flowers up here. It's like a seed is our life, and the soil is Christ. On our own, we're, we're not going to do much. But when we belong to the soil, when we are one with Christ, then He can do more than we've ever asked for or even 
imagine. He can grow new life here and now. That's my story over and over again. Those are the stories of people that we're going to celebrate later as we go into the waters over here. And that's the story, too, of a man named Chuck Colson. I don't know if anybody in here has ever heard of Chuck Colson. If you're of an older generation, you might have, you know, older than me. Chuck is most famous for, for working for President Richard Nixon, and he was known as Nixon's hatchet man. He was willing to do whatever it took to keep Nixon in power, and he once even joked that he would run over his own grandmother for the president to protect him. If you've ever seen House of Cards, you can imagine the type of stuff that he was doing. And eventually, the stuff kind of caught up with him, and he got implicated in the Watergate scandal and other break-ins and other, other stuff. And so he knew that he was going to be investigated. He knew that he was going to be indicted and that he was likely going to end up in prison. And so during this in-between time, he went and visited an old friend, and the friend had been born again. There was something new and different about him. And, and, and the friends shared Jesus Christ with him and says, look, this is who you need in your life to make a difference. And, and Chuck was an ex-Marine, kind of a hardened type. He said, I don't know about all that stuff. But then he got in his car. And that night he didn't pray a magical prayer. He didn't, he didn't know the right Bible verse. Instead, he just simply said, God, I need you. I need you to save me. He submitted his life and he became a new creation. He experienced the forgiveness of sins. And he had assurance that he would spend eternity with God. But it wasn't until he spent time in prison that he began to see the new purpose that Jesus had for him in this world. You see, his old political career was certainly over. But when he was in prison, he began to see the deplorable conditions that people who were incarcerated were experiencing. And so he started a ministry called Prison Fellowship when he got out. And they began sharing Jesus with anybody incarcerated who they could go and talk to. And they began advocating for reforms. And they began sharing with all of these people, hey, look, you are made in the image of God. Jesus Christ lived, died, and rose again for you. And he used to tell people, God isn't finished with you yet. And hundreds of thousands of people have come to know Jesus Christ through his ministry. He thought it was the end when he went to prison. But it was just the beginning and Chuck one time he said he knows the resurrection is a fact because that group of people who saw the resurrected Christ they never once denied him after that most of them were beaten and killed because they believed in the resurrected Christ and he said, for 40 years, they never changed their minds. They never said anything different. He said, I know the resurrection is a fact because, look, I was one of the most powerful men in Washington. I knew some of the most powerful people in the world. And when Watergate broke, people couldn't lie for three weeks. They all ended up spilling everything they knew. And so he said, these men telling the same story for 40 years in the face of death and persecution, I know the resurrection is a fact. And he also said this. Looking back on his life before he died, he said, the truth that is uppermost in my mind today is that God isn't finished. As long as we're alive, he's at work in our lives. That's Chuck's story. God wasn't finished with him. And I believe 
no matter your background, no matter what you believe, no matter where you came from this morning, I believe God is at work in your life today. If you don't yet belong and believe, I believe he's drawing you unto himself even now. If you believed for a long time and you know this old, old story, I believe he wants to do something new in your life today. I want you to very clearly hear this morning. It isn't finished for you yet. God has more for you. God has more for our church. God has more to do in the world, and he wants you to be a part of it. So would you pray with me?